Hello, it's Paul Scott here, small caps investor, commentator and writer of the small cap value reports on stockopedia.com with Graham Neary. Uh, I'm recording this uh, on Saturday the 24th of February 2024. Uh, we've got loads of stuff to cover. We covered 44 companies this week in the small cap value reports and our total calendar year to date is 221 unique companies. So we're really uh, covering a hell of a lot. We're, we're, we're extending our coverage of the small cap value reports well into mid caps. And I should mention that Stockopedia have now launched uh, an excellent weekly editorial on large caps, UK and um, overseas, that Megan is writing with Keelan. So do have a look at that. That's proven very popular with the readers. And it also helps to take some of the uh, chat away from the small cap value reports, which tended to be a bit of a sort of uh, all-encompassing discussion about anything and everything, which um, uh, it's better to have a separate space for large caps. So have a look at that. I think it's called The Week Ahead. So have a look at that and it comes out on Monday. Readers seem to like that and I do too. I think it's very good. We do come in occasionally for some uninformed criticism on lower quality bulletin boards where uh, people sort of take snipes at me and Graham. Um, But I do want to emphasise all we're doing in the small cap value reports is just reviewing the day's news. Um, Digging into the fundamentals on each company that's reported a trading update or accounts. And we're also increasingly, I've introduced this new feature that I've called mid-morning movers, where we're covering a lot of companies that have moved substantially in share price if there's been any uh, news out from that company. And I think that is a, a good feature. I think people are enjoying that, and I'm certainly enjoying it. One of the subscribers wrongly accused me of not having done my research on a particular share. Um, that's totally untrue. If I comment on it, I've read the RNSs thoroughly, and I've looked at the background. I won't comment unless I've properly researched it. So that accusation was incorrect. We're seeing, of course, an ever-widening gulf between um, the US in particular, but also some other foreign markets. I see US markets are hitting all-time highs, and I see so is Japan. It's, it's, it's gone right back to its 1980s previous peak. Incredible, isn't it, that it took that long to recover from a massive boom in the 1980s. Sorry, I think the sound's going to be going in and out, because I'm looking to my right to my notepad, so I'll bring that closer to me. Hopefully this sounds better now. Uh, Huge disparity, of course, between UK markets and Japan and some other markets hitting highs. And, of course, the UK small small cap space just languishing. But, you know, to me, I see that as tremendously exciting. I think the UK small cap space is where you're getting some amazing bargains. I spoke to the CEO. I did one of my um, CEO interviews this week. I'm restarting those with Gordon MacArthur at Beaks Financial Services, BKS, which I hold personally. And he said the UK small cap space is, I think he used the phrase, bargains of the century. And and he said everyone has been approached by US private equity, everyone. Uh, I thought that was really interesting, you know. You're going to see loads more takeover bids, I think. And, you know, 30% plus premiums. Uh, yes, it's sad that we're losing companies to overseas buyers, but I'm not going to fret over the overall sort of uh, political aspects of that. I just see bargains galore and big upside when takeover bids come through. So I'm relishing the way markets are at the moment. And I think if you're despondent about it, um, you need to have a rethink, you know, because actually decent value GARP shares are doing all right. I mean, if you look at my top 20 for 2023, 
um, it's now up over 20%. That was 20 shares. We've had some nasty profit warnings within that as well. Um, This year, mine and Graham's top 20 share ideas lists uh, are both up 6% year-to-date, which is 8% ahead of AIM. So I think it... I think that, I'm, OK, there's an element of luck involved, isn't there? But we're screening out the basket cases, which I think is a, a big help. We're screening out companies with weak balance sheets, generally. Um, and, we're, and we're focusing on companies that have got encouraging trading updates that are at reasonable valuations. And that space is still a nice, lucrative space. So... I I would just say to listeners, you know, don't get despondent about UK small caps. That's where your bargains are. And sooner or later, um, markets correct and mean reversion takes place. And there are rich pickings out there in UK small caps, I think. Um, Although, equally, I totally understand why some people have just sold up and bought NVIDIA shares. (laughs) You know, why not? The funny thing is, I looked at um, the top seven. The Magnificent Seven, I think, is the latest name, isn't it, for the US uh, tech giants that are leading the US markets. And a lot of people are saying this is a tech bubble, a tech boom, market's going to crash. I understand the points they make. I think Paul Hill made the point that 50% of the US market is now passive investments, which would, you know, logically mean the winners just eventually become far too expensive. Uh, So I understand all those arguments pro and against. But I looked at I'm lucky enough to have the international edition of Stockopedia. And I looked at all seven of those shares. And I have to say, when you look at their financial performance, their incredible margins, their astonishing compound growth over many years, they're not actually that expensive, you know. That's assuming, obviously, that the the existing financial performance will continue. Shares like Microsoft, like Meta, used to be Facebook, Amazon. These are astonishing companies. All seven are. The only one I would really question and say that is well into bubble territory, in my view, is Tesla, because I don't believe the bull case on Tesla that it has some unique competitive advantages. It's about to face a deluge of Chinese cheap electric vehicles. And yes, Tesla's are fantastic cars. And yes, I get the fact that he proved up a, you know, there are lots of very positive things about Tesla. All I'm saying is the valuation of the shares is now insane, but it's been insane for years. And I lost loads of shorting it so maybe i have a grudge against it but my point here is i'm saying out of the magnificent seven i think you can actually justify the valuations of six of them uh they're astonishingly good companies so that might you surprise might surprise you me saying that but that's just logically what i believe looking at the numbers just on some more general themes as well with the uk small cap space i've noticed that customer de-stocking is really cropping up as a big issue um, we've had several profit warnings mentioning customer destocking, which does raise the question, doesn't it? That means that then, if if they're if they're taking a big profit hit now from customers destocking, that raises the question as to whether their profits last year and the year before were effectively overstated, were gaining from customers stocking up when supply chains were bad, and that's now reversing. Now maybe we should be seeing this not as temporary underperformance. But profits, um, you know, were, were, were too high last year and the year before. And this is the hangover now. But it should balance off maybe somewhere in the middle, shouldn't it, for next year? So I think a lot of the readers, and I agree with this, were saying that some of these de-stocking profit warnings could actually be nice buying opportunities. 
Um, and I agree with that. But you've got to look at each one carefully, because why is it that only some companies are suffering from destocking, whereas others are managing to absorb that effect uh, by outperforming in other areas? As always, it tends to be the weaker companies that warn on profit and the companies that haven't set their forecasts realistically. I mean, that's what a profit warning is. It's basically a failure of a company's forecasting. How do you avoid destocking profit warnings? I don't think you can. I think we're all going to probably be hit by one or two of them. And, you know, it does, in a portfolio of 20 shares, getting a, a one profit warning doesn't mu- knock much off the overall portfolio. So I think it's just, it's just part, of the, uh, it's part of the risk of investing in smaller caps. Right, let's get cracking with the individual day's small cap value reports then. 19th of February, which was Monday, the big news on here was Curry's, C-U-R-Y, the, the giant electrical retailer, about 9 billion revenues, only been bumping along kind of a whisker above break-even. Now this announced, or well, the press rather announced, and it confirmed it, that it's got two potential bidders, so which were named. Elliott Partners, a huge US private equity outfit, apparently tabled a bid at 62p. Bear in mind, oh, now that was a 30% premium, but it's only about you know, 12 or 14p above where Curry shares had been trading. So not really uh, enough. Curry's, I think, rightly have rejected that. And JD.com, that, I think that's this giant Chinese outfit, also put out, out an announcement saying they're at the very preliminary stages of looking at Curry's. I think this is really interesting, and one of the readers highlighted this, because it shows that actually acquirers and that now seem to be starting to look beyond the consumer uh, squeeze in retail and are now looking at the um, potential for a consumer recovery in the UK. And I think that's very, very interesting and something we need to latch on to. And um, I mean, I've been saying that for a while and it's why I did moderate my stance on curries in the last few months because, of course, it actually put out an OK trading update in January. I was negative about curries last year, but the points, specific points I was negative on were correct and remain the case, which was namely very weak balance sheet with heavily negative net tangible asset value totally dependent on two billion odd of trade creditors and um, a very cash hungry pension deficit those things were, were were true and they're still true but the interesting angle on it is that acquirers are obviously looking beyond those points and that's a good learning point for me actually because I need to think in terms of uh, if, if a business with a bad balance sheet is bought by a, a, a very financially strong acquirer then actually the weak balance sheet doesn't really matter anymore because they might be able to negotiate lower cash injections into the into the pension fund by changing the um the pension fund variables to reflect the fact that it's now a stronger covenant um i think that's a very interesting point and also banks and suppliers will be completely relaxed if you're owned by a multi billion pound overall um, group so that I think is a very interesting point it means maybe I need to be more flexible with my balance sheet um, stuff but as I say all we're doing is flagging up the facts it's really for you to interpret and determine whether you think a weak balance sheet is important or not Um, so I'm not trying to project my 
opinions on you. I'm just giving you a view, saying, look, these are the facts. You can then weigh it all up, and I think certainly there could be rich pickings for takeover bids in the retail space. Um, and, and it's the mid-caps that are uh, the most interesting, I think, in many ways. Um, Halfords, I've said before, I think that could well be a sitting duck for a takeover bid, HFT. Um, there were bid rumours on Betaville. Um, uh, caused some spikes up in share price. I don't like all this rumour stuff. I think it's wrong. Shouldn't happen. But um, it's not for me to control, but I can comment on it. So I think, yeah, I haven't got any Halfords, but I really would like to have some, because I think that could well be a takeover target. Right, let's move on quickly. Wilmington, WIL, I really like this share. Um, it put out inter- interim results. I'm green on this one. I've said before, I cannot see anything wrong with the business or its accounts. And it's reasonably priced. It's a good quality business as a reasonable valuation. I think it did actually put on a spurt towards the end of the week. It was £3.36 when I wrote that. Um, very, very good long-term, ta- long-term track record as well. It does... Oh, what does it do? Com- um, gone blank. Hang on, let me pause. Oh, sort of, oh, God, some sort of compliance and, oh, God, sorry, sorry, let's scrap this. Sorry, I'm a bit tired and I'm just jumbling up to companies in my head and mixing them up. So Springfield Properties, Uh, Graham looked at a sale of land. That's quite interesting, we think. And then results came on the next day. It's one of the um, house builders that's still trading substantially below NAV. The other one being a a Crest, um, what's it called? I'm too far in to restart this, so I'm just going to... So, Cress Nicholson, sorry, sorry, getting brain fog today. So, we think Springfield Properties looks interesting. BPM, BP Marsh and Partners, uh, Graham had a look at. He likes that. Have a look at that one if you're interested. Uh, what did we look at as well? Oh, Microsalt, yes, S-A-L-T. Now, I looked at the... It's a recent AIM float. I looked at the admission document over the weekend and put up... Um, all the the main points that I gleaned from the admission document. (coughs) And we had lots and lots of reader discussions on this, which was very interesting. Uh, I went amber on it. I think on reflection, that was too generous. I I don't really rate this at all. This is the thing that um, makes salt into a fine powder. Thus, you only need to use half as much. Anyway, just have a look at Monday's report for all the, the reader comments. I think most of the reader comments were pretty negative on it as well. Uh, fifty million pound market cap's much too high, but it it's it's had a, a huge surge after it floated, but um it raised very little money. Um so it's hardly got any cash. It is loss making. somebody dredged up a, a blogger posting a thing speculating that it's now profitable, I think that's wrong. My analysis of all the numbers showed that yes, it's still loss making. I think it'll need to raise more money. And it's almost pre revenue. The only revenues it's had so far uh, this is Microsalt, have been sort of trial type, a few hundred grand here, whatever, with, with, with big food companies. They might have something great, in which case, if it really was great and you had all these massive orders piling up, why would you float it? Why would you float it? And, and um, you'd wait, wouldn't you? You'd wait till the, the huge orders were storming in and then you'd, um, you'd absolutely clean up. So I'm not convinced by this one. But anyway, we'll keep an open mind. Now, I've intro- as I said, I'm, I've introduced this new feature of mid-morning movers, so I'm putting those on my spreadsheet as well, but not colour-coding them, just as blank things. So I looked at petards, only 4 million market cap. I think this looks quite interesting. Um, very healthy balance sheet and could be worth a speculative look, I've said. 
What else? Oh, Eskin. This is on the brink of going bust. E-S-K-N. Um, I just made a short comment about it. Oh, it dropped 50%. I called it the death death throes of equity. Uh, the bondholders and um, uh, uh, major shareholders who refinance it, if they do, are likely to uh, do what they want with it. So I think existing equity, I wouldn't touch with Eskin. What's this? Atom is the ticker. A T O M. Atomi is the company name. Drop nine percent on a placing at fifty p. Um, noteworthy because a third of the one point eight million came from the directors. So that's quite interesting, isn't it? But it's a pre-revenue, heavy cash burner, so very high risk. Green fertilizer projects, not of in, not of interest to me. These blue sky things, hardly any of them work. They nearly all turn out to be terrible investments. So why get involved? Space and people I had a quick look at. Uh, Nanocap, 1.4 million market cap. We know it of old. Uh, I thought the trading update actually sounded quite good, um, considering the tiny market cap. And Zeus reckon it's trading just above break-even. Um, so, you know, 1.4 million, maybe there's speculative upside on that one. I don't know. But it shouldn't really be listed. It's too small, I think, space and people. But anyway, there we are. Right, I'm getting into my stride now. Sorry about the mishap earlier mishap so on to tuesday the 20th of february i looked at, no graham rather looked at springfield properties again this is as i mentioned before this is its interim results came out um graham saying the results are poor but full years expectations unchanged this is because of where we are in the in the house building cycle at the moment they're obviously all putting out as i'm sure you're aware poor results but <coughs> the cycle's starting to turn so the market's pricing in a recovery and um, Springfield looked to be in a bit of a uh, overly um, looked to be having problems with too much gearing, but it's doing sale at sales of land, and um, that is reducing the uh, debt. Uh, tangible net asset value, Graham points out, is um, about fifty percent higher than the market cap. So we quite like Springfield properties, but it's not without risk. Graham also looked at plus five hundred, the big. Um, the very the, the the gambling really fun I'd call it financial gambling company because they seem to attract a lot of business from mug punters who are punting on Bitcoin and, and the like. It's I don't know anyone who's um you know a serious investor or uh, even spread better who's got an account with Plus Markets. So but it's been an incredibly uh, successful business. And Graham looked at the results, he thinks it's very good. They built up a cash pile of nine hundred million dollars. Uh, I, I wonder how many lives have been wrecked, though, from the clients. I think this could well turn out to be a big, big problem um, when when the whole crypto thing blows up. Because I think people are... I know my hairdresser told me a year or two ago that he'd taken out a 30 grand loan to punt on cryptocurrency. So I think there's a lot of um, trouble building up, you know, under the surface. But anyway, the figures look great on Plus 500. Uh, what else have we got? Oh, EXR. That was Exchange XR Holdings. Now, I've marked it amber-red, even though um, it does this, um, what do you call it, meter-type stuff, you know, with avatars and whatever. It, it has announced two really impressive contracts, contracts, one in particular, Million Pound Plus deal in the Middle East. So I run through the bull and bear points on this, but I've concluded amber-red because it's 
still a very small, heavily loss-making and cash-burning business. So I've called the shares a long shot. That's EXR. Now, two we didn't like, Podpoint Group, P-O-D-P. This is an absolute mess. I'm red on it, and I run through why I think... Uh, oh, it was a CEO change, that was it. And there was an inline trading update along with that. But inline means losing huge amounts of money and burning through the cash with absolute abandon. The trouble is the forecasts show that it's going to burn through all of the cash and the major shareholder has provided it with a £30 million credit facility to start using when the cash is all gone. So I would argue with Podpoint that the discount, the market cap being at a discount to the cash pile doesn't matter, Seeing unless you can persuade the board to stop burning all that cash. But it doesn't look like that's on the cards, so I've called it a complete mess, Podpoint. Uh, in a similar vein, actually, Nightcap, NGHT, this is the bars chain um, run by um, one, a former dragon from Dragon's Den, who seems to be making a right hash of this, and drawing it really excessive salaries for herself and her husband. Um, it's done a £1 million fundraise, which is dressed up to make it look as it's for an acquisition, but it isn't, it's to keep the lights on. Um, managed to get it away at 6p, though, which was about a 20% premium, from existing shareholders, so it's still got support from its existing shareholders. Um, but the trading update was awful. It said current trading is, quote, far softer, unquote, than expected. So I think this is a real mess. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't go near NH- NGHT. A couple of my mid-morning movers I commented on on Tuesday. Mobico, this is used to be called National Express, looks rather interesting, the share, MCG. Now, it dropped 11% on a bit of an alarming um, update, saying the audited results for calendar 2023 are now delayed by up to a month due to audit problems, and there's a, an increased onerous contract provision. Their problems seem to be in their German division, requiring an additional provision of 40 to 70 million, but underlying, obviously excluding the awkward bits, underlying guard profit guidance is unchanged. Looks a bit complicated, um, but I do think that is a really interesting and cash-generative business, but I haven't recently looked into MCG enough to be sure. Uh, Then another rather concerning update was from Revolution Beauty, REVB. Lots of problems historically with this business, of course. Now, it dropped 6% on news that it was changing its auditor. Now, changing auditor is all very well, but you don't expect that to happen eight days before the year end. So that, to me, says there's been some sort of problem there. So I'm a bit wary of that one. I was I was already sitting on the fence on REVB. There were some time some signs of a turnaround beginning, but uh, I think for me a sudden and I think it was unexpected change of the auditor. It must have been because you don't you don't change auditors eight days before the year end because they do preparatory work work well in advance of the year end. So it, it, that looks a bit funny to me. So I'm I'm just sitting on the sidelines with REVB. Might be a, a recovery situation or it might not. I just don't know. Oh, there was also an inline update from LOK, which is Lock Lock and Store, I think. We didn't look at that one, but I've just noted that it was in line. Right, on to Wednesday, 21st of February. In line was ARBB, that is Arbuthnot. One of the readers asked, why have you graded out and not covered it? Well, because we didn't have time. We can't cover everything, can we? Um, <clears throat> and also, it was um, it was just in line, and it's not a company that Graham and I think is 
particularly worth spending any time on so and the share price didn't move so we just graded out but the stuff we did cover hat which is h and t this is the pawnbrokers both graham and i really like this we cannot understand why it's so cheap maybe we've missed something i know there is some more bearish con- comment out there about h and t but i don't think any of the criticisms are valid at all actually um, so I'm still bullish on it, even though it hasn't gone particularly well this year. This was on my top 20 share ideas for 2024. It's down at the moment, but it doesn't matter. I think it's still very cheap. It announced an acquisition that looked okay. No great shakes on that. Also, some additional financing from a private uh, investor. Borrowed $25 million from a large international lender. It gives them security on that. Not repayable until 2029 to 31. I just think it's remarkably cheap, H&T. So, yeah, I like that one. Don't hold any personally, but I'd quite like to buy some at some point. Next, we got an update from Equals, EQLS. Very popular with private investors, this one. The um, payments, Forex type business. Obviously, Argentex has really crapped out. And that's dropped, I think, a half or two thirds from from the peak. But Equals um, shares have been pretty robust. It's been in this strategic review for a long time now. Um, the put up and shut up, uh, as it's called, PUSU deadline, has been extended for the fourth time. It's a 28 day period where uh, discussions can can carry on under the. Uh, takeover panel rules but it does raise the question doesn't it well why have these deadlines if they're so easy to extend repeatedly not really a deadline is it if you can just say to the takeover panel oh can we have another 28 days please and they go yeah no problem so um, but I'm sure there's much more detailed discussions going on behind the scenes but it also I think put in a trading update yes it said current trading still in line with expectations I've just looked I appreciate there are differing views on this my personal view which might turn out to be right or wrong we don't know I'm not trying to predict what the future holds this is just you know the view of of a, a private investor at this point in time i think the shares look fairly valued i think they're priced about right so but i've said here i hope shareholders get lucky with the takeover bid but after this length of time i can't prove this with data but my hunch is that normally when talks are ground on for sort of three months or more like this it's unusual to actually for a deal to actually happen after that length of time in my experience you know when a when a when a serious bid comes in they want to crack on and get the bid done uh, but we'll see we'll see next graham looked at what's i was thinking keystone cops it's not is it it's keystone law k-e-y-s i'm not really interested in these legal listed legal firms but anyway it rose seven percent on a trading update that graham looked at um i think it said it slightly beat expectations so uh, graham's amber on it same with me now we had a profit warning from ghh which is gooch and Housco. Um, <clears throat> uh, uh, industrial lasers I think they do I've always thought of this as a really quality business but I'm having having doubts now I must admit it dropped about 20% on this profit warning um, forecasts were dropped by 24% uh, again this was blamed on customer de-stocking and some of the readers said uh, I thought this was a fair point um, that's a bit of a sort of one-off thing. It's fixable. It doesn't really need anything to fix, does it? You know, the d- demand just comes back. So are the markets being too short-sighted by beating down stocks that warn on profit on destocking? I think that's a, g- a good question to ask, actually. I don't know the answer, but I'm leaning towards thinking some of these things might 
might actually be buying opportunities, but I don't really see that with GHH, GHH because I think you know it was probably overpriced to start with, and it doesn't look particularly cheap even after it's dropped a lot. <clears throat> but the update did also mention some updates, some po- uh, some positives rather, including um, an increased order book. Um, I just I've concluded on um, Gooch and House Co. I can't really see any reason to get involved. Right in my mid-morning movers section, I covered six companies, so let's rattle through these. Windward, WNWD, uh, rose 7% on uh, 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 RNS Reach, so a marketing uh, um, update, saying that Interpol has now signed up for its services. This is a really interesting company, I've got to say. AI uh, for maritime awareness, so of course it's very much in... um, uh, a bonanza area at the moment because of all these these hooty and other attacks on global shipping um and it did put out a good update on 17th of january as i say even when i'm only doing brief comments on these things i do properly research them um it's jammed tomorrow in terms of numbers heavy losses each year so i think winwood is impossible to value but the trend is strongly improving i think it's quite a nice punt actually i wouldn't i wouldn't Rubbish this one. It's got 17 million in net cash, so probably enough to get to break even. But it's 103 million market cap, which is is an awful lot for something that's pre-profitability, isn't it? But I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, as I say, I think there's something interesting at Winwood for more speculative punters. Uh, CSSG, Chroma Security Solutions, 10 million market cap, um, inline H1 results. Now, all I did here was report the facts. Um, that a 5.8 million disposal proceeds was sold to two directors who were have created a startup um, company. So there's no financial history or track record of the buyer. Therefore, I simply flagged that the balance sheet with 10 million net assets, about half of that is this potentially dubious receivable. So I'm just flagging up the facts and figures. Don't shoot the messenger. Uh, which a couple of the readers did, unfortunately, which I thought was a bit unfair. Anyway, um, they're paying in instalments as well, which means they're probably trying to make money from... The business that was disposed of was called Vigilant, looks pretty good, but um, it's higher risk if the buyer hasn't isn't able to just buy the business up front, is it? So uh, overall, I think it's too small to be listed, and but it's not a bad company. Um, H1 figures, very small profits, 360 grand. Too too small for me to spend any more time on. Similar vein, Arcontech, ARK, ARC, sorry, tiny software companies. I, I quite like this. I've, I noticed that value investors are sniffing around this one, have been for a while. Very high margin, tiny, tiny revenues, but half the market cap is cash and it's profitable and it's paying dividends, despite being only 12 million market cap. So Arcontech might be worth a closer look we had a profit warning from strix no we didn't no 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 sorry the ticket is stx the company is shield therapeutics dropped 46 percent to 23 million market cap uh it announced this is a real clangor they announced data errors so that the growth in its it's commercializing some sort of iron deficiency product and the the rapid growth that it showed particularly in q3 q4 last year the figures were wrong Oh dear, but but more importantly, I, I I crunched the numbers and the previous numbers, and I reckon it's running out of cash. It had thirteen point nine million dollars at the end of twenty twenty three. It's cutting costs, so obviously it doesn't think it's got enough, and it's aiming to reach cash flow positive in H two twenty twenty five. So I think it's going to run out of cash and needs another placing. 
So for that reason, unfortunately, Shield Therapeutics is um, a barge pole for me, unless and until it manages to refinance, because the shares are just being absolutely smashed to smithereens at the moment on companies that have that run out of cash. So why get involved? Now, what's this? Aquila Services uh, announces it's going to delist. So we'd never looked at it before, but I did have a look at the numbers. It's an OK business, but it's too small to be listed. And they've said, look, we've been listed six years and, it, and we're getting nowhere with having a listing. So I don't blame them from delisting. The, 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 it's, all, it's almost all owned by individuals who I assume are the staff. So there's no benefit at all to spending a few hundred grand each year on a stock market listing, listing where you don't get any liquidity at all in the shares. Finally, uh, CRE, which is called Conduit, um, strong results. I had a quick look at it. The readers did as well. We think it looks cheap. So see the reader comments on Wednesday for that one. Uh, right. OK, on to Thursday, the 22nd of February, 2024. I, I got out as quickly as I could. I focused on MEGP, which causes me group, the old photo me. Um, which operates mainly um, photo booths for passport photos and uh, laundrettes. I, I shone a light on its laundrette division some um, round about Christmas, I think, where I put up a post of me mystery shopping it. And it's surprisingly good, and it's growing rapidly, and it's highly profitable. And the interesting... And now, this uh, MEGP was on my top 20 share ideas list for uh, this year, because I think it's really, really... Um, Good business, really cheap. Anyway, it ended the day up 20%. Uh, on, so that was 100 million gain to the market cap, so 600 million now. This was on preliminary results for year ending October 2023, which were only in line with expectations. So it's very unusual to see a share jump that much. But I think... I think it was basically people looking at these numbers and think, bloody hell, why is this thing so cheap? It was on a PE of about nine, put out record profits. I think also profits up about 30%, I think, and a clear outlook statement saying we expect continuing profit growth in 2024. I love it. I wish I'd bought some of these personally, but I didn't, unfortunately. Anyway, um, I've I've said here, I think it's a superb business at a remarkably attractive valuation. Maybe a 20% rise in one day was too much. It might drift a little bit, but this I suspect this might be more of a permanent re-rating, at least some of the rise anyway. Um, because the interesting thing, and the reader comments on Thursday were fantastic. Really, really good. I haven't been able to say that a lot recently, I have to say. Um, but we're getting back on track, I think, now. Thursday, the reader comments were fantastic. And I think several of the readers pointed out, actually, the photo booze is not declining structural old economy type stuff. It's actually coming back because the alternative of people taking f uh, passport photos on their iPhones, of course, they can be doctored. So... The key element is that having a fixed photo booth that's uh, approved by um, the passport authorities, those photos can't be doctored and they go direct to the authorities. One of the reasons is to actually use the service and they put up a, a comment about that. So really fantastic reader comments on me group on Thursday that have really very much reinforced my view. This share is fundamentally mispriced. As I said in my report, I think it's worth £2 to £2.50 and that's not pushing things. Uh, plus you get dividends, generous dividends, and it's doing buybacks every day. Plus it's f uh, financing its own 
capex, uh, growth capex, and updating all the machines. So I think it's great, and I think the bears are completely wrong. They've um, they've they've misjudged it totally. I think, but we'll see. Hargreaves lands down. Graham had a look at that. He likes that, although there are some concerns. And he did a very nice piece on dissecting the adjustments, and I think proving pretty well that some of them are, are distinctly dubious. Uh, Graham looked at Traxxas. We're Amor on that just because we think it's expensive for what it is, but it's a good company. Uh, H1 numbers were uninspiring, but it's expecting an, an H2 weighting. Uh, <clears throat> what else? Oh, I looked at Angling Direct from the previous day. I won't go into detail here, but the, the cash pile is now about half the market cap. It was the entire market cap when I put it on my share ideas list in 2023, and we're up about 66% on that. But because it's, it's risen so much, and the cash pile now only supports half the market cap, I've gone amber, because I think it's priced about right. I don't really think the business is much good. But um, one of the readers helpfully pointed out that it is absorbing losses from its startup in Europe. So you could arguably strip that out, and then the profit would look a bit better. Uh, so, yeah, that's Angling Direct. Um, oh, I commented briefly on Marlow, M-R-L, absolute um, bombshell in a good way announcement here it's done a major disposal of part of the business uh, which is I call it here a giant disposal pretty much the same proceeds of the entire market cap so they're going to pay off all their debt and return about 30% of the market cap to shareholders in some form of distribution so Marlowe is now a, a special situation where, um, you know, maybe the remaining business is now good value. I don't know. I haven't gone into the figures in enough detail, but certainly my concerns, my previous concerns over the terrible balance sheet with big negative uh, NTAV and the, the excessive debt, those concerns have now gone. So from that, for that reason, I've shifted up from Amber Red to Amber. Now, I've introduced a new category in my spreadsheet for... Uh, my CEO podcast interviews. So I've just flagged up that I interviewed Beaks Financial Cloud. Fascinating interview. Do have a listen to it. I'm I'm very bullish on Beaks. I think it's an excellent share, and I do hold a few personally. But I want to buy some more. It's less than one percent of my portfolio at the moment, which I'm itching to buy some more. But I'm kind of hoping it might drift down a bit in between announcements. And I haven't got any spare cash. That's the main issue. But Gordon MacArthur had some great insights, not just into the business but into uh, AIM market as a whole. So do have a listen to that. It's just over half an hour, so we kept it quite focused. Beasley, I just briefly commented on, even though it's 4.3 billion market cap. Um, <clears throat> this is similar to Conduit in a way. It's like a larger version of Conduit, another mid-cap insurance company, saying that it's trading very well and looks cheap on the stock stock report metrics. So it's not my area. But I'm just flagging up some 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 uh, interesting facets that I spotted that look good, and also it's returning three hundred million pounds in to shareholders in an additional shareholder return. No, I think sorry, did I say pounds? I meant three hundred million dollars above the usual dividends. So Beasley, I think, looks quite interesting. Finally, I glanced at Rolls Royce, thirty billion market cap. But so what? The shares are up 9%, and I thought I'll put it in my movers section. Uh, strong market reaction to um, the turnaround there. Good results for December 2023, and it says it has strong momentum into 2024. I said here that the balance sheet at Rolls-Royce is surprisingly weak. It's 
um, negative net tangible asset value, but the market doesn't seem to mind. Um, and shares have been a stunning performer in the last seven months, up from £1.50 to £3.58. So whoever said elephants can't gallop, they can. Right, finally on Friday, I looked at uh, CLIG, City of London Investment. Um, that rose 4% on its H1 results. I like this. I'm amber green on it. Um, I know there are bull and bear points about whether it's ex-growth or even in structural decline, but the divvies are 9.6%. And I think they, um, because they just generate a load of cash and they just pay it in, or nearly all of it out in dividends, but they hive a bit off for the employee benefit trust as well. Um, anyway, I went through it in a fair bit of detail. It's not normally the one I, one I cover. Graham normally covers it, but I like it. I think that 9.6% dividend yield, which looks pretty secure, I think, uh, is very attractive. So you might want to have a look at that one and do your own research, obviously. Uh, we're only doing quick reviews, so we may not have picked up on everything. I looked at Tribal as well, TRB. Um, I'm amber green on this as a possible trade. Um, it announced it's going into mediation with the Singapore um, customer where our contract went hideously wrong. And there's a 10.6 million claim against Tribal. So very material, actually, given that it's got a really weak balance sheet with negative net tangible asset value of £26 million. But I wonder if a negotiated compromise might be the outcome. And the main reason I'm positive on Tribal was I don't like the business at all. Uh, the main reason I'm positive on the shares is because it had a cash bid late last year at 74p that shareholders actually rejected. So you can buy the shares now at 40p. So getting that level of discount to uh, a recent cash bid, you know, that could be an interesting trade, couldn't it? Not without risk, though, because of the legal thing. Also, I looked at U, YU. This is the, um, uh, what do you call it, supplier, electric utilities supplier, reseller. It's quite complicated, but it put out a trans what it calls a t transformational new hedging facility, which does look very, very interesting. They've done a deal with Shell, which, who, which has agreed to release all the collateral, which is over £50 million in cash that the previous hedging arrangements tied up. So, yeah, I think that's something I can understand why you is shouting about that. looks very, very interesting. Anyway, I just can't make up my mind on it, so I've just... I've just listed the bull points and the bear points. And then it's up to you, dear listeners and dear readers, to make up your own mind. Uh, I looked briefly at Hornby as well, where Fraser's has started increasing its stake and the shares have spiked up. But the business is absolutely hopeless, unfortunately, on fundamentals. So I run through all the various issues in brief on that one. Uh, and then, ah, uh, dear Sieta, S-E-D, as you know... <coughs> I don't want to rub it in here because people have just lost nearly all their money. It dropped 80% on Friday on a bombshell announcement that Mark Tuggan and a couple, um, I think Shopping365, our readers, flagged up. It announced about 1.30, 1.40 on Friday afternoon that if it can't, um, it put us up for sale in a form, formal sale process, but forget it. Because it said, it said it's only got a week to um, arrange new, new, some form of new financing, or it'll have to go into administration. So I think it's finished. It's down to a penny a share. Uh, we have warned people consistently for over a year about this, just saying the figures are terrible, and we think it was a zero. So it doesn't give me any pleasure to, to see people losing their money, but I hope we warned enough of you away from it to mean that... And you've got to remember, the small-cap value reports are pretty much the only properly independent 
commentary out there where we really dissect the numbers and when we'll you know un um fearlessly warn you against companies like this where the 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 problem was the terrible terrible reckless cash burn um these things are always have a great story but you've got to look at how much cash they've got and how quickly they're burning it and with Sayata it was absolutely horrendous one of the, one of the worst i've ever seen so um as i say i hope we manage to steer the readers clear of it and you know if you want independent honest commentary <coughs> that's what you get with the small cap valley reports and uh, you know we flag up a lot of interesting shares and we but we you know a key thing as well we'll tell you the truth about really really bad shares whereas the pr people the brokers everyone else will talk them up uh, you know that's why i think we're providing a valuable uh, service to the investor community anyway finally a bit of a shock announcement from bytes or oh, i've spelt it wrong i put buttes it's bytes b y t e s as in computer the tick is b y i t uh it announced that i i don't think i've ever seen anything like this the ceo failed to report dozens and dozens of trades to the market i think the, i think this is a former ceo uh really highly irregular um and it's not some you know 5 million minnow aim company it's over a billion market cap proper company making big money but of course you know if you've got oh, i shouldn't probably uh dwell on this but it was an absolute shocker which for me definitely does put a, a cloud over the shares other people might say it's an opportunity to buy them cheaper than they should be at I don't know. Anyway, uh, CABP. What's that? That's CAB payments. That's that thing that warned on profits, um, but has actually recovered quite nicely, uh, somewhat. That just put an inline update out. We covered nearly everything we wanted to. Just looking at the list that we didn't cover, I did have a quick look at Dialite, D-I-A, the rather accident-prone um, industrial-led lighting company, and I didn't see anything interesting in those, so I didn't... Um, you know, when I had a quick skim of the results statement. So I'm going to cross that one off the list of... Oh, excuse me. <laughs> um, I'm going to cross that off the list of backlog. Uh, Gattaca as well. I still haven't got around to looking at that one. Sorry about that. Now, in Divior, very interesting, this one, shot up about 20% on an announcement that it's going to shift its main listing to the US. Well, it looks like the type of sexy growth... Um, I think it's a pharmaceutical company. Looks like the sort of thing they'll like in America. So, But it is sad, isn't it, to see um, a trickle of one or two, you know, arguably the highest quality UK-listed businesses shifting elsewhere. I'm not really bothered about Chewy, the, 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 the holidays thing that shifted its main listing back to Germany, because it's a German business. But it's a pity with this to see things slipping away from London. Do we have a couple of others... Oh, yeah, Money Supermarket. I just had uh, a look at those results this morning. Uh, looks quite good, actually. Not too bad. Um, but we didn't get round to covering it in the report. And, and basically, there were only two or three other things we didn't cover this week that, uh, that, uh, that I'd, I'd hoped we had. So pretty successful week all in all. And um, thank you to everyone who's getting the reader comments back on track. We went through a bad patch. And, you know, let's draw a line under it and, and, and get it back on track. We, we, need to, we all need to focus, including me, on making it, um, you know, making it better, better natured comments and making it more welcoming. So, you know, I accept part of the blame for that. 
and I just don't want to dwell on the negatives. Let's move on and just make it better. Okay, that's it. Thanks for listening. Sorry it was all a bit of a shambles again today. (laughs) Uh, And uh, yes, bye for now. Bye.